Welcome to Energizing Life with AKR Fitness. My name is Mike. I have Lindsay with me today. Hello. And it's another special guest day. So we have one of our members, Patrick, joining us today. Patrick, tell us about you. Uh, well, Patrick, um, I've been training with you, Mike, since when was it? 2014, I think it was. Um, been living and working as an engineer uh, up here in Aberdeen for on and off. 20 odd years which is uh, frightening when uh, when you come to think of it um, yeah uh, recently got um, engaged to uh, Mari um, so I'm now no longer known as uh, Mari's partner I'm currently known as Mari's fiance congratulations <laughs> thank you yeah yeah um, joined the joined the engaged club of people at AKR yeah, I know. so yeah uh, and yeah, Mari, for, for the listener, Mari is also a member here at AKR. So, but this is more about you today, Patrick. Um, yeah, you said it was it was March 2014, I think. So some seven and three quarter years ago that we, we first started <laughs> working together, which is is a bit mad. But if you could take us back to to that that time and what made you first sort of seek out a personal trainer and how did you find me? Uh, well... After I'd, well, when was it, 2014, um, I'd just come back from a three-week uh, skiing trip in uh, Canada, um, and I was undergoing, I suppose, undergoing a bit of a midlife crisis, just turned 40, um, <laughs> as is the way of these things. I'd uh, been in touch with uh, Scott Bapti um, about, you know, changes in diet and things like that, and I'd asked him uh, at the time, you know, to to help try and support, uh, you know, changes in diet and weight loss, um, do a bit of training, um, personal training, I asked him for a recommendation, and he said, you. Um, that was back when you were working, before this place opened, yep. um, when you were working at the Nuffield gym. Yeah. And and so so take us back. What, what what was it like like when you first reached out? Did I respond quickly? What happened? What, um, what were the first steps? It was, it was seven and three quarters <laughs> ago. I can't what, remember. What, what were the what were the first steps? Do you remember like what uh, it felt like steps, starting? Yeah, it was it, it it was an odd experience because you know I'd never done any training particularly with a with, with a trainer before. Been on and off into gyms. Uh, but most of my exercise and stuff previously had been outdoors, whether that would be cycling, mountain biking, hiking, skiing, snowboarding, that sort of stuff. So it was more activity based on uh, the the sort of fitness stuff that I'd been doing. Um, so, yeah, we I think we met in the reception of the Nuffield gym, mm -hmm. went over a few things and then it was, you know, straight into uh straight into working out and i think it was straight into the uh straight into the free weights area you know yeah. enough you know let's not mess about with machines let's get <laughs> straight onto the weights i think we, i think um, we might have we might have did we do like some sort of test or something probably yeah oh god yeah i i do actually remember doing i can't remember it was some sort of uh 
plank test and all. I think I was trying to impress you when I got to about three minutes, but I was <laughs> shaking violently <laughs> at the time, you know. Sounds not, like not you, Patrick. What, not, not what you would call a particularly um, elegant plank, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, as you say, that was quite some time ago. Yeah, it feels like a different life. Uh, yes, sure. yes, it, it certainly was. Um, and so your initial goals at that time purely to lose weight. I, I seem to remember like getting to fit in your kilt for a wedding or something uh, like that. Yeah, I think I had a, a cousin's wedding um, sort of halfway through, uh, halfway through that year. Um, I don't think I wore my kilt for that, just purely coincidentally. Um, it, that was that was my main goal was to uh, was to try and you know support uh, weight loss, which worked at the time. But then when you decide you like food a little bit too much, that tends to counteract that a little. Yeah, yeah. So you were working, you know, as you said, you were working mostly on your diet to begin with, yes. and you wanted to add the the sort of fitness resistance training yeah. side into it a little bit yeah and the other thing i do remember on that year was one of the things i managed to collect on my uh that particular skiing trip was a shoulder injury I remember, uh, yeah. and undergoing a, a, an operation later that year that was in the that was in the august and then um getting back into uh training again after a shoulder operation um I seem to recall those as being the most difficult training sessions I've ever done because they involved lifting absolutely no weights whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those that, you know, lifting heavy weights is, is easy. Um, almost. In, in terms but of the effort. Yeah, in terms it, of the effort. Yeah. Once you start just doing pure body weight stuff, that is evil. Yeah. I just remember those being really difficult. Yeah, yeah. It was a good... Uh... So it's a good period thinking thinking back to those days. Um, so I'm just trying to think if there's anything else in that bit that I want to cover off before we move on. But the, we, I, well, I think you were were you coming twice a week? Would that have been right, or was it just uh, the once? No, I think it was just once was a week. Just once a week. Um, but I think you know back then you would run a, a session, you know, a, a session for the training, and this is you know the training we'll do. But here are other, uh, you know. Extra, yeah, you'd have like a, a training schedule. Yeah. yeah, a program. Yeah, that's what you'd want to do in your own time, which you were doing at work. Time, work gym, which you could do at the mm. at the work gym. Yeah, yeah. So, were you doing it at the work gym? I was doing well it at the work gym. <laughs> I remember. I was I, in there. I was in there a couple of times a week. Yeah. Good. Um, do you know what? You could tell the people that were doing their the workouts <laughs> in their own time and the ones who weren't. Yeah, because they didn't come crawling back in. I, I think there was a story from the work gym as well, where someone through a kettlebell through a, a glass door or something yeah like that, oh well we? that was oh yes uh brand new office building new prime four mm -hmm. buildings i think i don't think we'd been in there a year and uh i won't name her <laughs> um just in case it comes back to me but uh yeah she'd been doing some kettlebell exercises and there was a there's a big atrium and one of the rooms uh, was it's a gym room, lots of meeting rooms around it, and it was the free weights room. Um, and yes, yeah, she just accidentally let go of the kettlebell, and it smacked huge pane of glass that just fortunately didn't shatter and fall over the uh, fall all over the uh, oh my the, god the, the the office building. 
but yeah, it was very obvious. I remember. I remember that. It's funny the things you remember. I remember the the horror that she's I had. still not lived it down. <laughs> Mostly because it. people like me keep repeating it yeah. to to others. Yeah. Um, obviously, when you and I were were working together, then there, there's come a point where I must have said, "Right, I'm I'm opening a gym. We're going to do things differently." Do, do you remember that? And remember your feelings about it? Yeah, I'll. I, w- I was th- I was a bit trepidatious um, at the time, you know. It, it's changed, you know. I'd gotten used to training at the Nuffield Gym, so you know. It must have been was a- eighteen months or a year at least, yeah, anyway. Something like that, yeah. So that was a you know another change in routine. Um, uh, yeah, it was the the word nerves, uh, absolutely. Um, as I'm sure you had a lot more nerves <laughs> than I did. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember, you know, I remember the, the green turf um, off, to, off to one side, yeah. uh, the, the clipboards, yeah. having your own um, sort of programme. I'm guessing that must have just been a ridiculous amount of work for you guys. <laughs> well, everyone ends up doing the same sort of moves anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it just sort of naturally evolves. Yeah. And then yourself, Lindsay, yeah. starting. Um, mm-hmm. Mike's first employee. <laughs> that was a nervous laugh. Did you hear that? <laughs> I did. Yeah. So, so what what made you decide to to sort of continue and make the leap, as opposed to you know wrapping up and either going elsewhere or just stopping? I PT? think it w- it was the benefit. You know, starting to see the benefits of a space like this um, over uh, you know Nuffield. You know, initially coming in very different because there was practi- You know comparatively there's nothing there was nothing there you know it was a couple of machines some dumbbells uh some kettlebells and that was it and that was a surprise and a little bit you know how's this going to work but then you see how the the different things that become available um and you know actually being able to have the space to move with all those weights uh, opens up, you know, so many more different exercises and you realise that all those machines, all those weights, you don't need. Mm-hmm. You just need a bit of space to be able to move around and, and use a simple piece of equipment in, mm-hmm. you know, several different ways um, to get to get your exercises and, yeah, uh, now I look at those places and think, no, why? Why would I want to be in a in a space like that, mm. where it's where it's crammed, where you can't move, where there are exercises that are just impossible because there isn't the space? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're um, a battery hen as opposed to free range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't think of it like that, but not not sure if I'm if I'm entirely comfortable with the image of me, <laughs> me being a battery hen. But, but there we go. If you, want to, if, you want to be a chi- if you want to be a chicken farmer, that's <laughs> that's what that makes me use it. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it, you were feeling the benefits of the, the training you'd done, yes. and you thought, Do you know what, I'll give I'll give this a shot. Yeah. And even things like um, you know the, the change from being a being one on one to a small group was again that's an that's a change. That's something different, and again a little bit of trepidation there as well, but then you start to realize that it's not just about, you know, 
the exercising um, or in, you know the the movements the the weights it's interacting with other people as well who are effectively doing this the same thing as they're there for the same reason that you are and then that provides sort of the 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 impetus to keep coming and keep coming back mm-hmm. rather than going oh god I've got to go to the gym and mm. do my workout god that's just boring and hard work you know that when you come in you can have a bit of a laugh and some banter as well as doing your workout and getting that done so, so yeah so it's, it sounds like yeah trepidation was the word used about going in that group format yeah but it, it sounds like ultimately you found that to be a Absol- positive yes yes it is um absolutely a positive positive. and would you go back to one-on-one now not completely mm-hmm. um if there was something specific that i wanted to work on perhaps but no because it's a bit boring really mm-hmm. i mean in fairness we Thanks. do occasionally <laughs> <laughs> you get the fear when you just see one coach in yourself and well you say, i mean that, me? that's that does happen <laughs> on occasion, um, depending on which sessions you, you, you happen to make yourself available for. Um, and there are, yeah, th- there are differences between, you know, training one-on-one and a coach yeah. and having that interaction with with other people. Yeah. I, th- I think one of the main differences that, that people overlook is if, if you've got a training relationship with a coach over a long period of time, it can get boring or it can get stale or it can lose its power. Whereas whereas now here, you don't know which coach you're going to get, but there's different personalities and things. And one thing I want to ask you about, for some people who obviously had that relationship purely with me, they weren't training because of, because of the gym it was, they, they'd come for me. And so there's, there's a bit of a transition even more so because now after a while they're like they're not getting me they're maybe getting Lindsay on a on a particular day or whatever so what were your first experiences of Lindsay and uh how, oh and, and, and how was that so seriously so I was I was that as like a as a you know getting used to working with different people or was that a was that a thing or not uh actually it was it, it was a pretty positive thing I, I thought um because although you're you know you've got uh, very similar you know approaches to to health and fitness, your personalities are a little different. <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit. I wouldn't say so. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that just allows a certain, you know, th- there's a freshness, a slight, you know, a change in perspective on on how on, you know, the 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 way the session progresses, um, the way it unfolds, and that's that again is all to the good, you know, allowing allowing different coaches to yes be consistent but also have your own personality mm-hmm. as well i think i probably had more fear than any of you guys that came with me <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> oh god what are they going to think of me i'm not am i good enough this is going to be a disaster but no it worked out really well and really enjoyed the, the first couple mm-hmm. of months it's a part of thing that, that definitely i think keeps it fresh you know for you guys for the members the other thing I would to add there, so you and I were training once a week and you were doing your own workout in the works gym. There must have been a point fairly soon in your journey though when you were coming more frequently here than you would have done. That's another benefit of the small group model, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was 
certainly training sort of on my own in the in in the office gym held less and less appeal because it, that was a a bit more like traditional gym. Um, but again, without the space to to do some exercise, it's better than most um, most uh, of the other sort of big corporate um, gyms. But there, there were lots of things as training developed uh, that I, I felt were essentially missing from the the, the gym in the office. Um, more around free weight, ironically mm-hmm. enough, that um, were just, I just was finding a bit limiting. I mean, it was things like uh, the heaviest, uh, the heaviest set of dumbbells that the they would buy were 25 kilos, which initially I thought was, you know, yeah, that's fine. You know, why would you want more than 25 kilos? And now it's like, is that all? Mm-hmm. You know, I need more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, equally, um, They've got a Smith machine in there for doing most of the lifts, which is which is fine if that's if if that's what you want to use. But I just felt that that was when I was trying to use sort of the techniques that you guys have been teaching with that machine. It didn't quite fit with the body mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Didn't enjoy using it. You know, didn't like using it. So eventually, it came to the point of why bother just come here more often yeah yeah um we'll move on a little bit but before we do i want to i want to mention the the two two of the best ever akr barbecues that you <laughs> hosted at your house um the the first two where we got very lucky with the weather very, both times yeah i think um and i think Lindsay, you tested your flexibility to the max <laughs> slightly more the yeah, I was injured for about six months after that. Se- was it the second one? I think barbecue? that was the second yeah. one. Yeah. Trying to keep up with a 16 year old Patrick, it's never going to be no. a win win, is it? No. Great barbecues, though. Really Thank good. You. Yeah, so it. for the listener, Mary and Patrick were kind enough to host the first and second AKR anniversary barbecues in their garden. So um, everyone brought along some food and there was, and some, there was so much food. Some food. It was mad. <laughs> yeah, when people were coming the next day to collect things it was like here take this entire <laughs> trifle or are you sure we have six um they have you know either take them or they are going in the bin yeah. because we cannot possibly consume all of them yeah. oh, and man. still go to a gym the, <laughs> yeah the, those are those are good times yeah. um okay so m- moving on um i think it was you know maybe late 2018 or maybe into 2019, you started, you know, there was a bit of a change. You started experiencing some symptoms and that's that's what we want to dive into a little bit more in this this sort of chat. So tell us, tell us uh, what was, what happened to what, what How it started. Yeah. Very innocuous um, symptoms to begin with. Basically, every now and then I started to get some pins and needles um, sort of sensation in my feet. So it's a bit like if you've, and what I assumed, if you tie your trainers to just a little bit too tightly, not massively tightly, so that you notice it straight away, and then you're wearing, you know, shoes or trainers that are just a little bit too tight, and they start to pinch and cuts off blood flow, and or is that just me who's done that? No, no, I yeah, I'm with and you then now. you end up getting pins and needles. Yeah. It was that sort of sensation that I was getting. So initially, I assumed I've just tied my shoes too tight. Um, but then it started happening more and more. Um, 
and I knew it wasn't just my shoes that were too tight because it was first thing in the morning when I was getting out of bed. Mm. Um, so I think it was, that was in 2019, started to notice that. Went to see the GP, got a reference, got referred to uh, neurology, a few scans, and then in and various other treatments. And then in January uh, 2020, so quite a bit later, I was told that I had multiple sclerosis. And so, so in that that year, that first that you know that that from the the foot things, the shoes too tight feel. Did, how did, was there other things that, that came up in that that period? Not really. That was kind of my main symptom. Although that sensation, sort of pins and needles. Uh, got more, uh, it's got more extensive, got more often, to the point where it's it's now continuous. And and so what were your thoughts, like, so you've basically got a whole year of that, what were your, your you know, what's going on in your mind at that point before you get the diagnosis? Um, well, initially, after, the with my first uh, consultation with the neurologist, um, they just thought it was a bit of, sort of something something wrong with your nerves around about your hip. So the first um, MRI scan was actually of my sort of lower legs and and hips. And they just happened to do a a little bit of my spine as well. And it was at that point when we were reviewing that, that um, that's when things sort of took a bit of a a left turn. Mm -hmm. Um, The neurologist started to become a lot more concerned and when you're then told that you know we're, we're going to bring you in for an appointment for a lumbar puncture uh, that's kind of when you know that things are perhaps a little more serious than than you first thought yeah um, so we did that and for anyone who hasn't had a needle in your spinal cord it's um, it's not very pleasant I'm not going to lie. Uh, there are there's an entire story there about that and about my body's reaction to that, which was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and a further uh, brain and spine MRI. Uh, they also ordered that was late, very late 2020, um, along with it seemed like of blood being taken for blood tests. Um, and when you know the tests that are being done, um, you tend to figure out, you almost jump ahead as to, you know, what these tests mean. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, I was, myself and Mary were both at the, we figured it was, you know, we're going to, that, that's what the diagnosis was going to be. It, yeah. it was multiple sclerosis. So you were connecting that's, your dots? You, you connecting the dots, your dots. There are a myriad of tests that are done because there is no one test for, for MS. And as things get ruled out on, uh, you know, one by one, um, you end up being left with just, you know, there's only one possible mm-hmm. thing that's that, that, that it could be. And seeing those, you know, seeing the test results and seeing it going, uh, no, it's not Lyme's disease. It's not a vitamin D deficiency. It's not any one of these other things that um, 
have been tested for just focuses the attention and uh, yeah I I was expecting it mm. um, were you preparing yourself for it a little bit yeah um, so that when you know it on that appointment which was January um, 2020 um, the neurologist actually asked me you know so what do you think you know looking at a screen of my brain with a big white dot in the middle um not big white dot it's a small white dot i'm exaggerating mm-hmm. um it probably, look at it it going probably goes, massive. that's probably not supposed to be there mm-hmm. um i said well i'm thinking you know i'm thinking it's ms and that's when he said probably yes mm-hmm. that's what that's what it looks like it is i want to sort of get into your reaction to that but just just going back to the, that year, because we know even, you know, COVID has is, is reinforced for a lot of people. What's, what's difficult to deal with in life sometimes is this, this the unknown, this mm. hanging in the balance sort of thing. Like, so how do you feel you, you managed or coped with that, that year of 2019 where you're getting all these tests and, you know, it's maybe becoming more and more apparent, but how, how, did, you, how did you deal with that? Um... Well, in fairness, most of the year it wasn't MS. It was just something probably a bit mm-hmm. wrong with the nerves and the legs, and it'll be fine. Um, I suppose there was a there was a strong element of denial. Um, although the fact that I kept going over on my ankle a lot was mm-hmm. wearing, mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, I kind of put it at the back of my mind, I suppose, and just didn't really, just didn't really think about it. It's just one of those things. Just life's busy, just, getting just on with work busy, and whatever get on else. With yeah. it. Um, and it wasn't until sort of October, November time, so quite late in the year, that it became obvious that we were looking at something that was um, a bit more serious mm-hmm. than just... A, a wee bit and, and by that time, did did you know? Had you already like done your home research in MS? Did you know what the the sort of repercussions of the diagnosis were going to be? Um, yes and no. I mean, I did what everyone tells you not to do, uh, which is do not <laughs> under any circumstances Google your symptoms. <laughs> That's the absolute worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but of course, I did it. Uh, same as everybody else who has symptoms of, of, of a serious disease. Um, and the variation was just, you know, you know, mind-blowing as to, to, to what it can mean. It can mean anything from absolutely nothing, really, um, at all, to um, utterly life-changing Um you know, real life altering symptoms that some people have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't know what to think. Um, but by the time we got to certainly the initial diagnosis, my primary emotion was, uh, was relief. To have an answer. To have an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, to have... It, 
to, to have some certainty, which is an odd word to use for, for MS. But it was also, you know, it, it was a relief in, in two ways. Um, it was a relief that I wasn't making it up. There was something actually wrong with me uh, and that I hadn't wasted a bunch of um, very expensive people's time mm -hmm. in, in the NHS getting scans, tests and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So a relief that it was something serious, which I appreciate sounds quite odd, but also a, at the same time a relief that it wasn't anything more serious. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wasn't going to be dead in six months. Which is, you know, which which, your mind. Yeah. Well, you know, there's something wrong. I'm getting MRIs of my brain and my spine. Uh, people are sticking needles in my spinal cord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do think. Where is it going? You, wh yeah. Where is it going? And certainly for, for neurological conditions, um, MS is at the less serious end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are far, far worse neurological conditions out there. Mm -hmm. um, so I was glad I didn't have one of them. Yeah. Did you feel like that, that sense of relief came, but you also then had an, a new journey to venture into almost? And it doesn't, because there's so many different paths MS can take, you can't really plan for what's to come. Uh, yeah, that that's taken a lot longer um, to get to. I mean, although there was an initial sense of relief mm. for the first couple of days, you then sort of, or at least I did, went through big swings in, you know, thought processes from this isn't going to affect me in the slightest, everything's going to be fine and continue as it was, to I'm going to be incontinent in a wheelchair in three years' time. Mm -hmm. um, and going back and forward from those pretty rapidly. Uh, and then eventually settling down and deciding that neither of those is likely to happen. It's going to be something else. Um, but realising that you don't actually know what that something else is going to be. Yeah. Um, so, so you've gone through you've gone through a wee, a wee sort of period. So you've got all that unknown. Then you get that moment of clarity and and the sense of relief. And I, th I think it was was it maybe that day you came. Did you come straight here afterwards? I think you and I had a, a quick Pretty chat. Pretty much, yeah. And it was either that day or the day the after. The next day, because yeah. remember you tell me and and you seemed you, you seemed quite matter of fact about it all. And that you know in hindsight. That was probably you in that sort of relief stage. I know where I'm at. Yeah. And then following that period, you've gone through a whirlwind of all these other what ifs and extremes and what's going to happen. And yeah, you like you that. got you got the positive side. Yeah. Lindsay, about two or three days <laughs> later, got the uh, yeah. She got the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I had, had a quick chat with with Lindsay, and yeah, ended up and had a wee cry to myself. Uh, which was, was probably needed. Which was probably needed. That was probably the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly hasn't been the last. No. Um, but yeah, it's, I think that was the following weekend that I'd spent that that first weekend telling uh, family, um, close friends about about the diagnosis, which was kind of an odd experience because you you're the one telling people. And then you're also the one calming people down. Mm. Going, no, it's not that bad. 
it's, that, it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, about I can it. imagine there's there's a lot of difficulty in then having to deal with the. the yeah, reaction. They, they've never known anything. Yeah, you know, I had three or four months of build up of kind of knowing it's coming, and then I hit them with a. I hit them with a wrecking ball. Yes, yeah, 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 because you've had time to, to adjust time to an adjust extent. To it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess, I mean, has your, your experience been, I'm sure most people or many people don't really know about MS or, or what, the, what it means for you. Would that be right? Um, yes, and yes, for the most part, yes. But you do find that, um, especially living in this part of the world, uh, in Aberdeen, northeast of Scotland, that the number of people who know someone who has MS is pretty high because of the, 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 the prevalence um, mm-hmm. in northern latitudes, um, especially in Scotland. Okay. So that's been nice. But equally, um, although, you know, they, they might know someone with, with MS, uh, no, I would, I would suppose most people don't. They've heard of it but they don't really know what it is. And so, so tell us, if you don't mind, explaining a little bit more about, about what it is and, and, and how it affects people. Uh, well, it's an autoimmune disease, which means my immune system uh, is attacking parts of my body, um, specifically the coating around the, uh, around the nerves, they're called myelin. Uh, it's amazing what you end up being an expert in. Um, which some people have have likened to, if you think about uh, wiring on a robot or a computer. It's like the insulation. That's the insulation. If you strip off the insulation, the signals get a bit confused. And that's essentially um, what happens um, in MS. Uh, But because it's the central nervous system, it's a disease of the central nervous system, so it's your brain, your spine, and all your nerves, they go everywhere and do everything, so the list of symptoms is vast. Um, the more common ones, I think, are um, loss of sensation uh, and control at the extremities of your limbs. Um, I have that in my lower legs. I don't really have it in my arms and hands. Uh, some people have it uh, in their arms and hands as well. Um, vision is often affected because the optic nerve is one that's very commonly affected. I've definitely got some damage there. Um, fatigue is probably is a very common, um, common symptom. I'm trying to th- run through um, as, as many as I can. Are these the ones that you're all affected by? These are ones that I'm affected by. Uh, there are other issues around um, bladder because the MS nurses are always asking me about how my bladder is. Um, so, yeah, literally, you know, incontinence can be a problem. Um, cognitive impairment as well. Uh, you know, and you can lose the use of your limbs. Uh, so. It, it, it's everything from fairly mild pins and needles that I have to not being able to walk, needing a wheelchair, um, possibly having problems swallowing. 
It's a it's a big bombshell to to receive. I mean, we, yeah. In fairness, you know, I don't have all of those symptoms. To be fair, yeah. But that but that's the reality that 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 some people have to live with. Yeah, but we didn't touch on it before. But you know, before this, you and Mary were going mountain biking holidays, cycling in Cuba, skiing and snowboarding, all these sorts of things. I, I can imagine like that that hits hard. Like about all this possible things like uh, how do you feel like you you come to terms with that and like you know we've used the word acceptance and we've said you've gone through like a a range of different emotions like how do you how do you feel you you do it well in terms of the 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 skiing and snowboarding we literally went on a skiing holiday about two weeks after i got my initial diagnosis (laughs) yes um so it was very early in 2020 when we were still allowed to travel um, to went skiing. Um, and that was fine. Um, Did it, on that trip, though, is there part of your mind that's gone, this might be the last time doing this? I hadn't, so or, thanks for good, that. Good. So, like. you, but you, so you, were, you were just like, was it more of, great, I can still do this then? Is that, is that kind of where your mind was at? Uh, it was it was more there. Um, certainly, the neurologist. You know, we we said to him, well, "We've got a skiing holiday booked in 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 two weeks." And his reply was, "Great, enjoy yourself." Yeah, mm. and so that was the attitude. That, that was that was the attitude. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you you absolutely should keep going and doing these things. Mm-hmm. Why would you not? Mm-hmm. It was but kind the, of his response. It's, it's like because I know like catastrophizing is the word, mm. right? So when people when things happen, people automatically go to like the worst um, yes. and I think that's what, what I was trying to touch on but it doesn't sound like you were there at least on that one not at that time I've had my share of, of yeah. catastrophizing um, so that the skiing one was fine um, cycling is okay uh, it is mostly doable um, but Sort of earlier this year, we did go away for a week's um, mountain biking, um, and that was hard. Uh, basically, if you if you tried to invent an activity or a sport that would absolutely do a number on your MS, you'd come up with something like mountain. <laughs> uh, it's short, hard efforts that massively raise your body temperature, which cause which can cause exacerbations of your symptoms um you're in forests and trees uh a lot so you've got flickering light which if your if your eyesight's affected that's not brilliant and it requires a lot of balance and coordination which if your limbs aren't working properly mm-hmm. is more difficult so that one was tough and there were a couple of days there when again Frustration got the better of me, and yeah, I had a, a, a few occasions where, I, again, I would cry to myself. Mm-hmm. It's a realization. Yeah, it's, it's the realization that you're not going to be able to do what you used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. A uh, sense of I loss. Have, I, yeah, I've, you know, I, I have read it. I have read some articles saying likening it to, to the aging process. But you're doing it about ten times faster than than mm-hmm. normal. Mm-hmm. So, in what way, if at all, do you feel like 
this has changed like your outlook or your your view of life or your way of thinking about about things as opposed to you know we we know about some symptoms that you have and some potential changes physically but more more sort of mentally emotionally um really and truly you just have to be accepting of the fact that you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring mm-hmm. um you don't know if you're going to wake up and not be able to see or not be able to move your legs. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you can't plan for things. Um, in fact, you know, when we were talking about, Mary and I were talking about, you know, when we should get married, uh, a point she raised was, you know, do you actually want, do I want to wait until... November next year um, when my symptoms could be worse um, and I had actually thought about that and my reply was well my symptoms could be worse tomorrow mm. so it's okay to plan for the future um, it's it's okay to, to delay things because mm-hmm. you know you're right I might you know I might have all these things wrong with me or all these things could go wrong in the meantime. You don't know when when it's going to happen. So for the most part, for that side of things, I think it's trying to be as normal as possible and just continue your life. Uh, you know, make plans. You have to make adaptations as well. Uh, and perhaps change some long-term planning uh, you know, when you're thinking, when I'm thinking about, you know, I'm 46. I'm 46 or I'm 47? No, I'm 47. Um, thinking about things like, you know, do I actually want to keep working in for another 20 years before I retire? Or do I want to start making changes that will allow me to stop working maybe earlier than I otherwise would and enjoy years that are likely to be better? rather than having more time, uh, you know, essentially at the end. So there are, there are things that you have to think about and change, but you can't make radical changes in your life. That's, that's no way to live. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to plan for the future. And on that, on that note, like how, in terms of that bigger picture life thinking, have you, were you that way inclined before or, or has this made you think a, a little bit more about it? Probably made me think a little bit more about it. Um, you know, it, it does bring things, into, bring things into focus, into sharp relief, you know, a, a little bit more that it's like, no, I, I can't just sort of bungle along and, and see what happens. I do have to think about things a little bit more. And be more deliberate, I guess. Be more, yeah, yeah. Um, Anthony, what to add, Dennis? No, I, I probably. Do you feel like you're still trying to come to terms with it all? Do you have moments of because you sound like right now you're very like matter of fact, positive. This is where we're going. Like you, you. Do you have moments of? Oh yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like the poor me, why me, that sort of? Um, not so much of that anymore. Um, but when it's things like, uh, when it's almost like something that's taken away from you, you know, when you discover one more thing that you can't do, that's a, that can be a blow. Mm. Like the, uh, the mountain biking. Like the mountain yeah. biking. Uh, and even things like, you know, ironically, um, running. Um, I never, I, I would never really run beforehand. Um, it wasn't something that I particularly enjoyed. Um, but there's a difference between choosing not to do something and realizing that you can never do it. Mm. Um, even, you know, things like crossing the road. I'll just run across the, no, no, I won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every, you know, if a new symptom hits, that's one more thing. Uh, that, that can be hard, but no, I definitely don't really go for the poor me, what is me. Not anymore. Is that a choice, do you reckon? Or is it just time and acceptance? Or like, how does, that's what, that's what I'm curious about. Like, how does someone adopt a way of thinking that is more helpful to them rather than, do you, do you know, is that a conscious choice or not? There is an element of, I suppose there is an element of, of conscious um, choice in that. But that sort of thinking is frankly exhausting. Hmm. Um, and you know what I had my time of you know wallowing as everyone does when, when they receive sort of uh, life changing news um, and, and I think that's a good thing you know in fairness to, to think about it but that that way of thinking just is just so draining mm-hmm. Um, that eventually you've, you've got to realise of, no, enough's enough. It's time to pick yourself up and get on with things. Mm-hmm. Now, you're never going to change, flick a switch and do that instantly. It's a process. And you, you've got to accept that you will go through periods of that. And I probably will again. Um, but everyone goes through periods of of, of that sort of thinking, mm-hmm. whether whether you've got a a chronic illness or an injury or or, or anything or just going a on in bag your life. full of that's regrets just, or whatever that's else ju- you've got. Yeah. That's just called life. Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about exercise as well and like the role exercise plays in your life and with regard to MS, like have, have there been changes or how do you view exercise? What's your relationship with exercise now? Um there have been changes. There are things that um I used to do that I can't do as as much, but um, exercise is an extremely important part of managing certainly MS and I would imagine a lot of chronic illnesses as well. Uh, I mean, the advice many, many years ago was um, basically, you've got MS, go home and go to bed, um, which is pretty close to a death sentence, I think. Mm. and that's categorically not the advice now. Um, all exercise is, is, I think, seen as basically a good thing. And uh, weight training, almost especially, 
you know, that is something that um, is advised uh, to, to to help manage symptoms, to 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 try and slow down the progression a bit. The stronger you are, the more there is to to take away. Mm-hmm. So the longer it will be right. until you are simply no longer capable. It's one of those things, it's a case of, it's not so much getting better, um, it's getting worse more slowly. Yeah. That's that's the kind of definition mm-hmm. of a win. Um, I have changed a lot of the exercises that I do. Um, there, there has been an impact. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, I would be here at the gym four days a week probably doing two training sessions and two of the sort of cardio and core, classes. The, the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really do the classes anymore because uh, rapid movements of my legs just don't happen. They sort of send, the signal goes to my, from my brain, so it's right, move. And my legs kind of go, what? Sorry, what was that? <laughs> Are we delay? Uh, th- there's a bit of a delay there happening. So lots of those lots of those things are a bit slower so i don't do them um but i started going to a pilates class um at the uh Aberdeen sports village that's specifically for people with neurological um disorders and that's been very helpful um in mostly in core work um and not the, you know, not the strength-based core work, but the the stabilizing core work, mm-hmm. and everything is almost geared towards getting that posture right, and then doing some movements, but maintaining your posture. And I've certainly found myself uh, using those techniques a lot more. Good. Um, and I still ride my bike because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And More than anything else. <laughs> as, as far as motivation, does knowing how important the exercise is for you, has that changed your motivation? Do you feel like, oh, I, I cannot miss a session now? Or is it just the same as it always is? No, no, I think it's, it's the same as it always is. I mean... That's what I would you, have thought, you can't, you can't be You can't be overly regimented. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are going to be days when it'll be a case of, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm just too exhausted. And recognising that that's okay to just go, no, I've I've spent all the energy I can spend today. And there will be other ty- other days when it's, you know, I'm bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wary of time. Uh, is there is there other, anything else that you, you know, that you wanted to share or, or speak about in relation to this that we maybe haven't asked the right question? Um... No, I don't think so. You know, it's it, it is quite a strange thing to be diagnosed with with with, with a chronic illness, and it's it's a, it's something that you you do have to come to terms with, and it does change your view a little bit of you and and how you think about yourself. Uh, I suppose w- one of the things that still goes through my mind is, you know, 
do I have a disability? Um, to which the answer is still, I don't know. But also there's another part of me going, does it matter? Um, because although, you know, the MS is, is what I have, it's not what's going to define me. I'm still the same stupid 20-year-old in my head <laughs> that I always was. Mm -hmm. And um, that's probably how I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay. Mm -hmm. So in some ways, there's, there's a whole chunk of change, but it, and on the other hand, not all that much has changed. I'm completely different whilst remaining unchanged. Yeah. Whilst yeah. remaining unchanged. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a is a juxtaposition, I suppose. But yeah, that's that's how I that's how I feel. And I imagine, although, you know, all I can do is speak about my own condition, my own experience, I would imagine that's how most people with um chronic illness and disability would feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're still you. Still me. Mm -hmm. For better <laughs> or for what, depending on your perspective. <laughs> well, do you know what's interesting? I've, I've heard, I, I don't know, I've never dived in to see how legitimate these stories are, but I've heard stories of studies where they compare people who've like won the lottery or people who've become paralyzed or things like that. And they talk about almost like this set point. And I know there are some theories in, in, the, in the world of happiness around sort of set points. But so like the people that win the lottery have this like surge of a high and then six months later, they feel just kind of the same. And then the same with like people who've lost um, the use of the legs or think something like that. They go all through this and then ultimately they kind of come back to this set point of, of who they are. So of course, if you've lost your legs, your life's going to be like a lot, lot different, but ultimately in your head, you know, and, and just some of what you're saying sort of strikes me a little bit like that. Like there's a, there's a whole bit of going through to go through. Yep. Um, and I will keep going yeah. through it um, because it's a progressive condition. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm still going to be me. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, was there anything else you wanted to... I just wanted to say that it's just, since the moment you told me, it's just been really inspiring to see you come in, get stuck in and like try the things that you did. If they don't work, the exercises, we switch it out, you move on. It, it just seems like you're... You've taken it in your stride with the exercise and you'll do what you can. And I just wanted to say, like, very inspiring. So keep doing you. Thank you. And all right. Well, is there anything else you want to leave the, the listener with? I think I've probably dropped enough of a bombshell on people. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap this up, Patrick. Absolute pleasure, not just today, but wow, seven and three quarter <laughs> years since you walked into my life and we've worked together and it, uh, it's been it's been a pleasure working with you, getting to know you and Mary, um, and as Lindsay said, in, inspiring. Not just this, but the uh, the adventure holidays and the barbecues and everything else in between. So uh, thanks for being with us. To the listener, thanks for listening. I hope you've found some um, some value, some insight, some inspiration in Patrick's story, and we will be back for another episode soon. Thank you.